Okay, guys, today we have Luke Summerfield on the line, which is uh, the founder of Growth Driven Design. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for joining us. How's things? Oh, things are awesome. It's, uh, it's starting to ramp up to summertime here in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, so everyone's in a good mood. No more snow. <laughs> oh, that's great. I was just admiring your backdrop just before the call. Really impressed. Uh, we're going to have to uh, improve ours, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Luke, let's kick straight off. So um, tell us your story. Tell us um, how you ended up at HubSpot and how you became the founder of Growth Driven Design. Well, if you, if you rewind uh, a few years, I, uh, I've been both on the, the business R and I've also worked on the agency side, working with clients in all different types of industries and different types of companies. And throughout the years, one of the things that I've learned when it's specifically when we looked at, at uh, web design was that every single web design we did was frustrating and a complete nightmare. And it was like one of those things where when I look back, uh, a long time ago, I used to work for an e-commerce shop and we had to redo uh, our site. And literally like that was our business, uh, people coming to the site, purchasing product. And that's how we made our revenue. And we went through a redesign process there. And not only did it launch extremely late, you know, it was supposed to be about a four month project ended up being about nine months. Uh, after we launched it, our sales, the conversions decreased, the sales decreased, all these things. And we're freaking out because like, man, this is like our, our, how we make our living. And so that was my first, uh, I don't know if that was my first taste. Uh, you know, I had done websites previous to that uh, back, back in the day of, uh, of building HTML in just uh, text edits and uploading those, but in text edit files. But uh, that was my first taste on how much it can impact your business, where it was literally like our revenue stream just tanked because of that. And so um, fast forward a little bit after working for that uh, online e-commerce then moved into the agency world and we were working with clients and we were a inbound marketing and web design agency, but 75% of our revenue was coming from website design and 25% of our revenue was coming from inbound. So we did a lot of websites and as we were growing the business, we took a step back one year, you know, we were growing fairly quickly. We took a step back and said, well, are we, how are things going? Are we being profitable? Can we streamline things? And what we looked at was that, Every single website that we, we did, uh, and we probably did 20, 30 websites a year, every single one, we saw the exact same thing. Every single one launched late. Every single one was a complete nightmare. It had all of their time and resources away from other marketing activities. Uh, and really, it was, just, it was just not a pleasant experience for anyone. And then what ended up happening is we would launch these websites and we'd be so happy they were out the door. We threw our hands up in the air and we're like, thank God this thing's out the door. Let's move onto something different, onto the stuff that we put off. And the website would end up kind of just sitting there. And that, of course, is, is your number one marketing asset, is your number one salesperson working around the clock. That's not the best way to treat things, right? You don't, want, you don't hire a salesperson, put them on the floor on their first day and say, all right, I'll talk to you later. And you never coach them or train them. Like, of course, you have to develop them. And, but yet this is how we treat uh, our websites. And so kind of all of that, that's kind of my background on it. Now, how I got to HubSpot, the quick of it is, is the agency I was working for got acquired and I moved over to the other agency, kind of got the acquisition all settled and then jumped to my next adventure here at HubSpot. 
And when I got to HubSpot, they basically, they hired me without a position. They just hired me and said, we'll figure out some way to provide value, help our partners grow. And I thought back to my experience as an agency partner and the struggles that we were running into with web design. See, how do we solve this challenge? But the reality is, is this is an industry-wide problem. This is something that all marketeers are struggling with. All agencies are struggling with this. Those who are listening to this probably have gone, if you've gone through a website redesign, you probably saw, create a system, a better playbook uh, for developing websites. And that's what uh, eventually has evolved into growth-driven design. So growth-driven design is a smarter approach, a smarter playbook, if you will, uh, to web design. All of those problems I talked about, the running late, the amount of money you spend up front, uh, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping it works after you launch it, and then not touching it after and hoping it just kind of magically the, the results come in. All of those problems happen because usually not a lack of talent. We usually have very talented people we're working with. Uh, it's usually not a lack of budget. I've worked with projects where they say, hey, you have unlimited budget. Just do this right. And we still go over budget. We still deliver late. We still have lack of results after. It's because of this broken playbook that we've just always been using. We've just, this is just how websites have gone because we've always been using this broken playbook. But this new playbook called Growth and Design solves all those challenges and produces a peak performing website month over month over month. And so that's what I've been pioneering here for the last year and a half. And since we launched about a year and a half, we now have 950 agencies in 50 countries that are working with their clients uh, very, very successfully uh, doing growth-driven design. So that's a little of my background, but also how this growth-driven design thing came about. It's really, I was trying to solve my own problem at the agency and, and what our clients were struggling and help other people. No, thank you, Luke. Um, we, we went over to HubSpot last year, me and my business partner, and we attended the Growth Driven Design certification where you actually hosted that for two days. And for us, it was a, a ha-ha moment. I've been in this industry 20 years uh, in web agencies, probably 15. And a lot of pains that you're talking about is the pains and challenges we've had. So it totally flipped our world and we come back and start learning this, become certified and implement it. So we're all all for growth-driven design. It's just um, sort of convincing um, the marketing professionals out there this is the way forward. Could you talk a little bit about the process, the process of how um, if someone was to use a growth-driven design methodology, how, how would that a good start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first, the first thing I'd say is, you know, a lot of what I've done with growth-driven design, I haven't invented anything new. Like this stuff already exists in other industries. It exists like a lot of marketeers, people that are listening are probably doing bits and pieces of growth driven design. But what I've done is I've taken all these disjointed systems, disjointed methodology, like, like processes and pulled it in together so that all these pieces work together. It's kind of like inbound marketing. You know, inbound marketing is a combination of blogging and content marketing and email marketing and social marketing and uh, so on and so forth, uh, marketing automation. And inbound marketing is this methodology that wraps it all together. And that's essentially um, what we're doing with growth driven design is we're taking things like user experience research, uh, conversion rate optimization, agile, it's all built off of an agile process. So agile or scrum process and all these bits and pieces and wrapped it together into a methodology. Now, what that looks like in terms of an actual process that you go through, there's basically three stages of the growth driven design methodology. The first one is the strategy stage. 
And that's probably not too much different than many of you who have done a website in the past. You probably started with strategy, very, very important. Um, and really what our goal is here in the strategy is that we want to get an empathetic view of our users' world. We want to see the world through their eyes. We want to see the journey that they're going on, what progress they're trying to make in their lives, and how does our company, our product or service help them make that progress versus what you typically do, what I typically saw and what we used to do with traditional web designs. We, we kind of build the website over here in its own bubble, and then we kind of just threw it at the user, and hopefully some of that stuff was helpful for them. And instead, we start with a very user-centric approach, looking at their life and then building around them. Now, where growth-driven design gets a bit different from traditional is coming out of that strategy. Once we understand their world, we understand what we want to build. Um, and there's a number of steps that you do, obviously, within that. You do you know, goal setting. Where does the website fit in as a part of uh, the growth of their business? How does it help? Uh, you go through... Um, what we call the jobs to be done framework. That's a very popular framework now that's being used in Silicon Valley for product development. Um, but we basically look at what are the progress that people are trying to make in their life. And then what, um, you know, what pushes and pulls do they have with adopting your product or switching to your product? So We look at how do we get people to switch? And then we go through uh, journey map development, personas. We go through, um, uh, you know, going through how does that, uh, as a global strategy, how do we build certain things onto the site to help make progress in, in areas, so on and so forth. There's a whole process that you can go through. Um, but coming out of that, the goal is that we want to create what we call a wish list. And a wish list is 75 to 200 uh, or more amazing ideas, things that are going to be extremely valuable, extremely impactful for our users. And we start there. And the reason I say our users value for our users first is that a lot of times we think of, well, how do we build things that we can generate leads and we can, and we can squeeze value from our users. But if we skip this first step and we're building things that users don't find valuable in the first place. So we want to provide immense value uh, through all these items on the wish list. And once we've done that now as a business, we can extract, you know, extract some of that value in the form of, asking for an email address, asking to download, to purchase, whatever that is. So the wish list is that, that uh, list of all those valuable things. Now, when you have the wish list, you can move on to the second stage uh, of the growth driven design methodology, what we call a launch pad website. And we call it a launch pad website because this is the start. This is like the base of all your continuous improvement efforts. This is where your launching point is. It's a website that looks better than what you have today. It performs better than what you have today, but it is not a final product. It's kind of the starting point. Again, it's that launching point. So the reality is, is there's going to be some things that are night, like very valuable. Your team's excited about it, but they're a nice to have. They're not a must have. And so the nice to haves, they stay on the wish list. And those are the things that we can build after that launch pad is, is live. We can do it in month one. We can do it in month two. With traditional design, it's like we feel like it has to be perfect for the launch. If it's not there when we launch, we're never going to do it because, again, we throw our hands up in the air and we never touch the site again. But the beauty of the growth driven design system is that you can stay rest assured. It's like a weight off your shoulders that if, if there's a nice to have and we don't get it right for the launch of the launch pad, that's okay. We can do it in month one. We can do it in month two. So, again, a site that looks better, performs better, but is not the end all be all. It's a starting point for improvement. At, uh, we just did the state of growth driven design. Uh, it was a survey where we had 350 agencies tell us about their growth driven design program. Growth driven design in a launch pad website 
average launch 60 days, and then you can continuously improve from there. Traditional design average, 108 days, almost double. So you're spending double the amount of time and uh, then you just set it and forget it versus 60 days continuous improve and you have a whole nother, uh, you know, 40, 48 uh, days of optimization that you don't get with traditional. So the reason we want to get it out there quickly, sorry, I'm kind of uh, just jamming on ideas here. So the reason we want to launch it quickly is because when we build a website in our own bubble, right? So we have an idea, we think it's good. We go into our backroom bubble, our, we, our de developers and designers are coding away on it. You know, maybe as a marketeer, we're thinking about what to put on each page or as a UX person, all of those things are assumptions. And the reality is, is that we have good intentions. We want to do what's best for the users, but at the end of the day, they're still educated guesses. They are assumptions of what we think will perform well based off of industry best practices, based off of what worked well in the past, based off of all different factors. But what we wanna do is in growth driven design, we let data guide our decisions. So instead of us sitting here making assumptions, we want to build a site that looks better, performs better, get it out there into actual real people's hands and get them to start interacting with it. And at that point, the users will tell you how to build, how to improve the site based off of their behavior, based off of what they're clicking on, what they're not clicking on, what are they willing to put their email in address about versus what are they not. And so once something is out there, we can start collecting that and make more informed decisions based off that data on how to improve. And at that point, we can move into the continuous improvement stage. And that's the last phase of, of growth driven design. That's where now every single month we are going to figure out what is the most impactful, most important thing we can do at this moment to drive us to our business goals, to provide more value to our users and allow us as a business to extract more of that value in terms of leads or sales or whatever your particular metric is. And so um, that's every single month we're, we're running on a agile uh, basis where every single month we prioritize, we figure out what's the most important things on that wish list. You can always add more things to that wish list. So as you learn more about your users, you can add items. As things come up in your business, you launch a new product, you have an event, you can prioritize that into your wish list. Um, and then every single month, make impactful improvements to drive more business results. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Look, I've been writing notes of you talking just to jog my memory. I mean, the launch pad has been fantastic for us because if we have a three month web build in the traditional world, which I've come from, it usually prolongs to six months. What we're finding now is we're building launch pad sites. We've even built one in 30 days, 30 to 60 days, and our clients are very happy and we're obviously continually improving these. Also from a, a client and a designer point of view, it's not based on assumptions and opinions anymore. It's more science based on science. So we can rule a lot of the wish lists or deprioritize a lot of the things, the special widgets the client wants or the fancy page the designer wants to design. We can move them down now and prioritize what is important. So it works. And well, I, think, I, think we've, yeah. I think we've all, I think we've all been in that situation. Those of you listening, you've probably been in that situation where you're in a, you're in a room and your boss says, I think it should be this. And you're like, I don't know about that. You know, I want this color or I want this image. And everyone's debating. Everyone's got their own opinion. And so taking this data-driven approach will, you know, basically make it very crystal clear what is the best option based off of data instead of all these opinions or whoever is your boss that, or the highest paid person in the room, the hippo that, that people talk about. Um, 
it's make it very, very clear. So it solves a lot of those problems. And the other thing from a designer standpoint that I've heard is that, you know, for them, this is, they like to adapt, evolve and grow. And, and with traditional, it's like you ship the thing out the door and you never touch it again. And it's kind of <laughs> sad to see your, your work kind of like sunset it off and never being able to work on it again. Here it's like, okay, it's like this living, breathing, evolving thing that they continuously uh, are able to work and improve on. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Let's talk about um, success rate then. So y you founded this two years ago, would you say, Luke, or Growth Driven Design? Yeah, Give or take, and now reading the state of inbound, I was reading before this call, 2017, you have over 350 agencies, is that correct? So 350 agencies is how many filled out our survey. Okay. Uh, yep. We have 950 total. So it's 950 in 50 countries uh, that are working uh, at some level with GDD with their clients. And, um, and yeah, 350 of them filled out our survey to tell us what their experiences were with the impact that growth driven design is having with their clients. That, that's great. Have you got any stats on how many clients are using GDD? So you've got 940 agencies typically between 10 and 50 sites per agency. Any, any stats on that? Uh, I don't have how many, how many ends uh, clients have it. I know that um, on average I asked how many growth driven months. So uh, on average, so I guess if you, you take an average of 950 agencies, three builds in the last six months, um, that gives you at least some kind of a gauge on, on maybe how many are doing it. But um, yeah, it'd be a good question for a future, future survey. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to, um, just trying to find out how, how fast this has scaled, though, and it sounds uh, it's, it's phenomenal at the minute. Any, any case studies, any really good success stories from Growth Driven Design, anyone you can think of in the States or here in the UK? Well, let me give you actually one of the, I can give you one of the stats that came out of that state of uh, growth driven design survey. And so when we talked to these 950 agencies or 300 agencies, excuse me, that filled out the survey, we asked them, okay, you launched the site. What's going on six or three months after you launch? What's going on six months after you launch? Uh, and we looked at the things that you as a marketeer care about. Right, so a leading indicator, at the end of the day as a marketeer, you need to, especially in the B2B world, you need to be generating leads for your sales team. How do we grow leads? That's probably what you're being measured on for your success. And then as a business, it's obviously revenue. How are you turning those folks into actual dollars for growing the business? So then one leading indicator to leads, of course, is how many people are coming to the site? What's the, the traffic? And so we asked those three questions at the three month mark, and at the six month mark, what are your visitors, leads, and revenue when you do growth driven design with a client versus traditional design with a client? And here's what we found. We found that at the three month mark, uh, or I should say at the six month mark, growth driven design agencies reported 16.9% more leads at six months than when they did traditional. So what that looks like is we had a growth from the launch to the six month mark of 44.47% in lead generation. Whereas with traditional design, it was 27, just under, just about 28%. Now on the revenue side, they saw an increase of 11.2% more revenue at the six month mark using growth driven design than traditional. So there was a growth of 17.78 in traditional that at six month mark. And at, uh, and the revenue for growth driven design is 29.323, so 11.2% increase. Now, the other interesting part of this is that 
Uh, and on top of that, uh, visitors, about 14% higher uh, visitor growth rate at six-month mark. But what the interesting part of this is that at the traditional, when you look at visitors, leads, revenue, they're essentially flatlining at the six-month mark. There's a big jump at three, mo three months, and then it starts to flatline out from three to six months in terms of month-over-month -month growth and improvement. Growth-driven design is continually uh, moving up, which makes sense, right? If you just think about it logically, it's like, well, if we're continuously evolving, adapting, uh, improving the website conversion rate and usability and the value we drive to users and all that, of course, you're going to be investing. It's like an investment. You invest more into improving and you're going to get better business results out of it. And so theoretically it makes sense, but this is the data to back it up that on average at the six month mark, growth driven design is outperforming traditional design on both visitors, leads and revenue, which again, for you as a marketeer, that's exactly what you're being measured on and, and what you're driving to the business. He's, he's brilliant. Look, you, you must be pretty excited. I was over in Inbound uh, last year in November, and I remember seeing you with a flock of people around you. You're pretty famous now over there, aren't you? You are. You've got a, you've got a real big following, and um, the credibility you have right now is, 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 is fascinating. How, how do you feel about all this? Is it, you're just enjoying the ride? Well, you know, I, I, you know, again, I think this is the interesting thing is that I, I, I felt this pain, and I was fortunate enough to let HubSpot allow me to focus on solving this problem uh, full-time. Right. So I was, if you think about it, I'm kind of the person that just like managed to kick the snowball down the hill. But the beautiful thing now is that we have such a great community. So now we have not just me pushing the snowball down the hill. There's thousands of people. We have a, a Slack group with 1500 folks that are very, very active and everyone now is helping each other. They're growing the methodology. They're helping share what their experiences, things that have worked. And so now we got everyone pushing the snowball down the hill. And so I think that's honestly one of the things that I, take most pride in is the people like yourself that are part of this community that are helping the snowball grow and um, the growth of the community and the growth of the methodology again isn't I didn't invent anything new I just pulled some things together and packaged it I was very fortunate HubSpot let me focus on it but I think that the reason that it's taking off so well is because this is something we've all experienced something that we all hate doing we hate websites are frustrating this and that and because this methodology solves that pain that we all share, that's what's kind of accelerated. It's like when you have that product market fit, if you think about it on the startup world, if you have product market fit, things, will, things can start to take off. And we're kind of seeing that now. So I'm just, I'm fortunate to be involved with all these other brilliant people and being able to work with folks and talk to folks all around the world. And, um, you know, together, you know, my vision and my goal is that this is going to be the new standard for web design. And we're going to transform the way people are building websites. This is just the new standard. And I'm very fortunate to have brilliant people all around the world helping to uh, all work together towards that vision. Yeah, that's great. Very, very humble. Very humble, man. So I've got some questions here clients have asked us when, when we're pitching for growth-driven design. I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of these, Luke. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We've, um, we get a lot of clients saying, um, is there any cost savings used in growth-driven design to traditional web design? That's, that's one we get hit with a lot. So the, here's, the, here's the reality of it. Everyone, everyone listen in, pause what you're doing, close your other windows and, and focus in on, on this. Growth-driven design will cost you more money. Okay. Let me, I'll let that sink in for a second. Growth-driven design compared to traditional design will cost you more money. And the reason being is you're doing more effort, right? If you're doing a six-month website build and you launch the thing and you don't touch it again for the next two years, Okay, like that's, that's a small, that's a big chunk of money up front and then not a lot of money, uh, you know, because you're not doing anything to the site for a number of years.
But growth-driven design, if you're launching something and then improving it month over month over month over month over a you know, six month, 12 month, 24 month or ongoing basis, of course, you're putting more work in. But here's the thing is you're going to get more value as a business out of it. I think of it like an investment. When I, every single month from my paycheck and probably many of you put money into some kind of retirement fund and every single month you get some kind of dividend payment that increases the value and there's kind of compounding interest along the way. Very, very similar with growth trim design. I just gave you some of the stats that uh, at the six month mark, traditional's flatlining out. You're not seeing any more value. Growth trim design's increasing because you're putting that additional value in. So don't think of it as terms of, well, I'm spending more money. Think of it in terms of I'm investing in my business. I'm investing in my number one marketing asset, my number one salesperson. And every single month with that investment becomes more and more returns for my business. Now, the second point to that is that your initial cost is much smaller. Because you're doing this uh, Launchpad website, it's not this big, overblown, huge project that's going to cost you 50, 60, 70,000 euro. You're doing something that may cost half of that. It may be 20,000 euro or 15,000 euro. And then build over time. So the thing you have to think about is the risk that you're saving yourself from. If you put $70,000 or 70,000 euro into a website over a six month period, all your time, all your energy, 70,000 bucks, 70,000 euro, you launch it and then you never touch it again. That's a big gamble. Like I think of it as like rolling the dice and throwing it at Vegas in Vegas. It's like, that's a big roll of the dice. But if you build something that's bite-sized, something that looks better, performs better, and is costing 15,000 euro, and then you're improving off of that based off of real data, it's less risky for you as a business. Okay, so the upfront cost is going to be less. I found that a lot of businesses from a cash flow perspective find that a much easier pill to swallow to spend 15,000 uh, euro and then improve off of that versus this big 70,000 euro uh, big chunk. Again, depends on the business. And then the third thing that I, I'll mention, the likelihood, like some people, they don't have to go and embark on this giant website redesign two, month, two years down the road. It's like they just continuously evolve and evolve and evolve. So you almost end up saving more money in the long run because you don't have to go through this big, arduous project two years down the road. It's just you continuously evolve. And of course, you can add in uh, design changes and look and feel and maybe new templates along the way. But um, you know, some people have said just anecdotally that, hey, I'm never going to have to do a website redesign again. You know, now we just continue to improve off of this that we have. So I think from the long-term perspective, not having to go through that monster redesign process in the future a second time uh, ultimately will save you a, a bit more money. That, that, that's a really in-depth answer, more, more than I was looking for. So thank you, Luke. That leads on to my next question. We get, we get asked this a lot as well. Does the GGD cycle ever end? Does it continue as forever or is there a, a stop period? Well, there's probably different trains of thought. Of course, I'm biased in, in what my answer is. My answer is no. I mean, it's, it's your, again, your number one marketing asset. It's where you're driving all your paid advertising to. All of your you know, blog traffic is being pulled there. All your inbound marketing traffic, social is being pulled there. It's the first place that makes an impression on your prospects. It's also one thing that we don't think about. Like we're marketeers, so we think of generating leads, generating business. But it's also huge for your HR department for recruiting. For us at HubSpot right now, one of our big initiatives because we're growing so quickly is hiring really good people. And so we've put a very big focus on the HR kind of careers page of our site. And that's like, if we don't get good people in the door, that's going to hurt our business as a whole for growing. So we use our website as a tool to help like 
get good people in the door and really like tell our story of why they want to work here. Uh, it's also can be a great sales enablement material. So when you look at your sales team, how does your sales team leverage the website or how could they leverage the website better? And so there's a lot of different parts of the business that the website integrates into. And so when you ask like, one, does this continuous improvement ever end? Well, even from the marketer's perspective, there's always ways to improve and adapt and change and not only just optimize what you have, but build brand new assets, new things that can drive new leads, new visitors and things like that. But then also I think what you end up seeing is when you start getting further out, you start looking at other parts of the business and how the website can help impact what HR is doing, what sales team is doing, what um, maybe customer service. A lot of folks, uh, especially here at HubSpot, we leverage our website as a way to decrease support tickets to make, you know, help people so they don't even have to call in because every time they call in, of course, it costs your business money. So how do you use the website as a tool for your customer support team? So I think that's, that's the thing that ends up happening is you start expanding the scope of how the website can impact the business outside of just leads. But yeah, and, and so that's the, my answer is no, it's a never ending thing. And I think that's the beauty of it is that there's unlimited ways for it to impact the business. Um, now, will you shift if you look at you as a marketeer and all the things that you have in your bubble that you have to manage, will you shift uh, focus a little bit over time? Possibly, right? There may be certain times where your focus is a little bit more, like I think of it as a pie. And if you slice pieces of the pie, the pie is kind of our limited time that we have uh, for working, right? Unfortunately, there's not a limited time in the day. Uh, that pie can get sliced in different ways. And at one point, maybe you slice 40 or 50% of your time or 40% of your time optimizing the site and, and building the site. That's maybe earlier on when you first start and maybe that pie shrinks to 30% so that you can open the pie piece to doing other activities, of course, but it really should be, no matter what, it always should be some piece of that pie. Great, great. Look, I was uh, again looking through the, um, the state of growth-driven design and one stat, which is the client happiness, there's been a, a big improvement in client happiness. Do you want to tell us more about that and how, how you come about them results? Yeah, well, it's, it comes down to, we basically asked, uh, uh, on a scale one to 10, how would you rate your client's happiness uh, going through the traditional website design process versus growth driven design process? So it's kind of like an MPS net promoter score type of question. And really, again, it goes back to all of those frustrations that we've talked about. You know, you as a marketeer, when you go through that process, it, it, you have to remember, it's not just you being frustrated, but then you're going to have to go out to all these other people in your company, other departments, try and get content from those people. And that's always a huge nightmare is like producing all this content, wrangling all these cats from other parts of the company to get content from them. And, uh, and then again, having those arguments about what looks prettier, what do we think we should do, having the, the project delivered late, all of those things that we talked about basically is boiled down into this is a frustrating experience. And so what we found is that as you go through the growth driven design process, you know, if I kind of peel the layers back on, on what makes this a, a happier process to go through, one, it's alleviating all those frustrations that we talked about. You're launching on time. We, we asked uh, agencies, what, what is your average uh, launch compared to what your estimate was? And growth driven design came in on time, exactly what they estimated versus traditional. I was actually surprised. They said traditional was, uh, on average, two weeks late. From my experience, it's usually like two months late, but maybe, maybe uh, you know, some people are working on different size, smaller sites, so it's easier to hit the time period, but uh, always late. Uh, and 
So I think that's one piece of why this is a happier, uh, a, a better process. The second reason that I've found, and this is a little bit less tangible in terms of way to quantify it, is that it's a much more engaging and fun experience. We use a lot of things like, uh, for those of you maybe familiar with like design thinking and design sprints where we get together, we do a lot more collaboration between your team, between your team and the agency. There's a lot of brainstorming sessions. There's a lot of um, prototyping. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, just more interaction and more creativity and fun um, that happens versus, uh, you know, usually what I see with traditional design is a marketeer will hire uh, either an agency or do it in-house and they just kind of let those people work and then have like a, a once a month check-in to see how things are going. So it's a little bit more interactive, a little more fun. There's a lot of like brainstorming activities you can do. A lot of people are doing workshops where they'll come in and do like a one-day workshop to flush out all the different ideas on a, on a wish list. And so I think just as humans, we like to, we like to interact. We like to, we're social creatures. And so I think there's a little bit more of that. So uh, yeah, we saw traditional design, they rated it a three point or 6.3 out of 10. Growth chip design, 7.7 out of 10. So just a happier process, more pleasant to go through. Okay, look, um, last question. Uh, have you got any, um, any, any links or any tips or any downloads or anything we can help uh, our viewers know a little bit more about growth driven design? I know we've only touched on it in a 30 minute call, but if they want to self-educate, where can they go? The, the easiest place is go to growthdrivendesign.com or if you just Google growth driven design, it'll be the first one. And this is, uh, uh, we just launched it. This is our Launchpad website. So we had a previous site that I built myself. I'm not a designer developer, so it was a lot of duct tape and glue, but it got the job done for the last year and a half. Again, exactly uh, what practice, what we preach, try to launch very lean and then grow from there. And now what you see when you go to growthdrivendesign.com, at least in, uh, what is it, today is May uh, 2017, that's what we, our Launchpad website. So a common question is, well, what does a Launchpad website look like? Well, if you go to growthdrivendesign.com, you'll see exactly what it looks like. And there, not only will you get a overview, a lot of the things that we talked about today, but a little bit more in depth, there's some videos, there's some walkthrough stuff, but then there's also links to um, our courses. So we have two courses. One is for marketeers. So for those of you who work internally at a company, you can sign up for our course and it's eight, eight or nine classes. So eight or nine hours, there's templates, there's tools. There's a lot of things to kind of give you the deep dive on how to actually execute a lot of this within your business. So I would say that's probably your best bet. Now, if you're interested in trying to, if you have a website design that you want to, if you have a website redesign that you want to go about, or if you have an existing site and you say, well, how do we just start optimizing and kind of jump to that continuous improvement step? Of course, we have 950 uh, amazing agencies. Uh, obviously, Digital 22 is one of them, so they could definitely talk to y'all and uh, give you some guidance on maybe uh, how to actually get started with, with the process. Perfect. All I want to say is thank you very much. I know how busy you are, Luke, and to have, well, nearly an hour of your time now because we were talking before the call. Um, super grateful. Thank you. We're going to keep, um, well, keep winning GGD. We'll keep sending over our success stories as well. What's, what's your plans for the future now? Just keep snowballing. Keep snowballing. Yep. So uh, we, have, we have a handful of things in the works, not only from the HubSpot tool side, how do we build uh, even more tools that will help people that are doing GDD. So some of that stuff's in the works, which is cool. And, uh, and then we have uh, version two of the, of the certification and course. So uh, there's a lot of new stuff that I've been, 
you know, in the last year and a half, I launched the certification maybe a year ago, year and a half, about a year ago. And since then, uh, I was on the road for six months out of the year last year, right? So we did. And so in that year and a half, I've learned a lot that uh, of what's working, what's not working, little tips, tricks, things that other people are doing. You know, again, I don't invent anything. I just pull what other people are doing and put it together. So I'm very excited for version two of the certification to pull a lot of those learning lessons from all these amazing people that are part of the community. And um, then again, throw that out there to help everyone else. So uh, I'm excited. That's going to be probably the next step uh, in quarter three is, uh, is the next version of the certification. Okay, fantastic, Luke. Well, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks again. Really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Keep in touch. And um, we'll are over in Inbound later on this year. We're at Partners Day in Dublin oh, yeah. in, two, in two weeks. Will you be there? or? Yeah, I unfortunately will not. No, oh, I, uh, okay. I am taking a travel diet. Okay. So what a travel diet means is, I, uh, like I said, I was on the road for six months. I have some big projects I'm trying to focus on and travel. Um, travel can pull your focus away. Yep. And so I said, okay, for the next few months, I need to just buckle down and I'm, I'm not doing any traveling. So uh, I also have a new pug puppy. So I have to train the puppy and all that stuff. So um, <laughs> no traveling right now, but quarter three, quarter four, I'll pick it back up. Okay. So you'll be inbound in Boston. Definitely there. We'll see you there then. Yeah. I will be an inbound. Okay, Luke. All right, Thank you cheers. very much. Thanks so Thanks much for, for having me. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye, Luke. Take care.